This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, this is a Future of What single. If you want to get the whole thing, visit our website at KillRockStars.com slash The Future of What. Support for The Future of What comes from Merch Table. Since 2002, Merch Table has operated and managed online stores for hundreds of successful musicians, record labels, comedians, artists, and small businesses. Big or small, set up shop today by visiting merchtable.com. Jess Golnick is managing editor at Bandcamp. Jess, welcome to the future of what? Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. So Bandcamp is one of our big faves at Kill Rock Stars. We love what you guys do. And you are, are you in charge of the program of Bandcamp Daily? Is that your baby? No, but Bandcamp Daily is my world and I love it very much. My boss is Jay Edwards and that's his baby. And there are two other senior editors on staff, Ali Jane Gerson and Marcus J. Moore, and then me as managing editor. We also have an awesome social media manager, Mariana Timoney, and a really great design director, Nicole Ginelli. Cool. Yeah, I know. You guys are cool. We know all about you, Bandcamp people. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to talk about sort of this myth of good music rising to the top. And I think it's important to clarify when we go into this that I'm not saying that good music doesn't stand out from a crowd, because of course it does. And we all know that that happens. Mm -hmm. I'm sort of more talking about the people who write to me and say, I have a day job. I have kids. I'm never going to tour, but I want you to put out my record because I want it in the marketplace because I believe that great music is going to rise to the top. And to those people, you know, I always have to respond, listen, there's more to this. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that people need to be doing. It's not just a meritocracy. And I feel like that's the part that people get bummed about because they don't want to think of the music business as a business. Yep. They want to think of it as a level playing field. And if you just put out the best album, then next thing you know, you have a million fans. Right. So anyway, that's what we're talking about. How, where would you like to go with that? Oh, my God. That is it's such a huge thing. And it's something that I think about every day. And especially right now, because everything is available all the time. We have the tools to access music that we absolutely didn't have the tools to access before the digital era. So there is so much music out there that it's impossible to listen to all of it. Yeah. And that's something that I think about every day and finding things to cover that are unique and special and that we really get behind. There's more music out there than we can possibly cover. There's more music than anybody can possibly cover, which is why it's fascinating to me that so many publications focus on just was at the top. Right. That's a really good point. Right. So I've always felt that covering independent music is incredibly important and a function of the the music business that we don't think about a whole lot. Music journalism's role as gatekeeper, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And we can't even cover. There's so much more music that I would love to cover that we just like don't have the space to. It's endless. It's infinite. So thinking like that anybody will just happen upon your band and this enormous sea of music that's out there. 
especially when much of the space at much of the publications is being taken up by known quantities. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think we're breaking it down so that people can understand it. You know, if you say, let's say there's Mm -hmm. 20 bands or something that everybody always writes about, you know, when the National puts out a record, they're going to get a bunch of column inches. Right. For example, so if you if you sort of just like, okay, so wipe out that whole crew, right? Like there's a whole ton of of space taken up with that. Right. Then you have to think about like, well, what is left for the other people and how do we help to raise those people up that we think are truly deserving and are writing great music? But I also think it's really important to point out that as far as journalists are concerned, a lot of times they're really interested in the story. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, it's great to have good music, but there also has to be a story. Yes. And so this sort of gets back to my fundamental position, which is if you're sitting at home doing nothing, there isn't a story that's going to cause people to write about you. And therefore, you're not going to get that press that you think is going to be the thing that catapults you to fame of some variety. Right. So there has to be something going on. And and I think I think that's the Yes. The problem. I mean, I think every time there's a success story of like a Rodriguez or something, you know, right. Someone who was making great music in total obscurity and then went off and like got a different job for 30 years and then had like this uprising somewhere in the world mm-hmm. where everybody got super excited about his music, like that gives this renewed, this whole generation of people renewed hope that like, look, I don't have to do anything. Yeah. And I'm just going to get surprisingly famous some someday. Right. And I feel like it's sort of beholden upon those of us who work in the music industry to say, listen, there's a reason why people are getting the attention paid to them. And you really just touched on it. One is they're already famous, right? They're already. Right. They're already commanding column inches. Right. And then, you know, there's like what you guys are doing with Bandcamp Daily, which is really awesome, which is bringing into the spotlight some artists that maybe people don't know right. and haven't heard of. And and that I think that that's critical. But then, of course, you know, what would you what's your advice for bands who you do spotlight on Bandcamp? Man, that's a, that's a, such a tough one. Story is absolutely that's absolutely critical because we're a publishing platform for artists as well as a fan community focus on the human aspect of making music because that's what joins all of us right so having a story and I and it doesn't have to be a traditional story in any way shape or form it doesn't have to fall into you know particular narrative tropes but just to have something unique and interesting to say about who you are and where you're going is really important to a lot of the coverage that we do. We have an album of the day feature and we do a lot of scene reports, lists, roundup. One of my favorite ones that we did in the recent past was on Dungeon Synth, which I had no idea existed before the writer who pitched it brought it to me, which is incredible. There are worlds out there on Bandcamp that I spend, you know, my day head deep in this incredible world of independent artists and there are still worlds that I don't know about until other people bring them to my attention because the world is so infinite. So finding a scene, finding a community, that's also super key to getting heard. And for your music to connect with people, I think, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. No, I say that all the time on the show that, you know, if you don't have a community, if you don't have a music scene that you're part of, you need to go out and get into a scene. Yeah. I mean, you need to go out and make friends because 
other bands are always everybody's first fans. Right. You know, that's kind of how it works. You know, you go see each other's shows, you put bills together and everybody plays together. I mean, that's kind of how these things start. Right. And, you know, you can name countless acts whose first fans were musicians, Elliot Smith. Right. You know, the, right. the national press didn't take Elliot Smith very seriously. Right. But every musician in Portland was crazy about him. Right. Totally. Actually, I was thinking about this a whole lot. I was in Asheville, where my parents live now, for my dad's 70th birthday recently. And my parents are musicians. I grew up in a musical household. I was very lucky to have that. And even luckier that they're still making music and that they moved to Asheville from D.C. and have found this super amazing community that is really diverse in pretty much every way. They had a show for my dad's 70th birthday. Awesome. And it was all... Of the musicians that they're friends with. And there were jazz bands. There were people who do traditional Indian music. There are people who do singer songwriter stuff. There are people who do soul. And they were all part of this like little community that is age diverse, gender diverse, race diverse. Like it really felt very utopic to me. And I was like, <laughs> I really hope that I. I'm part of something like this as I age as well, because it was so neat to watch. So scenes don't have to necessarily be constrained by style. No. Just finding the support of fellow musicians. Absolutely. Is so nurturing and huge and important and cool and can comprise. I mean, your scene can be anything you want it to be. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Like we're saying, it's it is made up of some people and those people, you know, can become your first fans. Yeah. And then you can sort of spread outwards from there. And I don't want people to get the wrong impression that I'm saying that there's no such thing as great music or that I don't think that merit does win out. But I'm just saying I think I think it's not it's just not the level playing field and the meritocracy that we want it to be in some sort of utopian ideal, because that's right. You know, somebody has to be telling somebody about how great you are. You know what I mean? Right. And that's how, I mean, that's how you get shows. Like exactly. other bands take you on tour. Right. Other bands are, you know, you, you come to a city and somebody goes, hey, who are the local bands that this bigger band should be playing with? And if you are friends with the booker who is also in like 10 bands themselves at this local club, the booker will say, hey, like, I know these guys, they're great. They haven't played out in a while. Yeah. They'd fit really well on this show. And that's how that happens. Right. And unfortunately, that's just not, if you're sitting at home in your bedroom, that is not going to happen for you because that's just not how this whole thing works. Right. Although I have been like super interested in talking to some younger musicians who grew up in pretty atomized places and the second they started making music as you know, teenagers or young adults, they had internet communities. And those often came out of, I found in talking to musicians that they are fans first. They find like a fan community of another band on the internet. And then people start sharing their own bands and they find a community that way. So a community and a scene doesn't necessarily even have to be earthbound. True, true. But relationships, are so key. It's just relationships and finding your people wherever they are and nurturing one another in that way. Exactly. And, you know, something that's also, it's sort of unspoken, but I think it's really important is, you know, those of us who are in this business, we put a lot of work into what we do and 
some of us like me put a lot of money into it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so to some extent, it really, it's like, if I'm going to get behind a band, if I'm going to get excited about a band, it would really be great for me to know that that band was just as committed to their own career as I am. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing worse than championing a band and then having them go on their first tour and be like, oh, this is way too hard. Yeah. I'm going home. I I did a label with my best friend for a brief amount of time. And seriously, every I mean, we were just a little punk label. But I think we put out three records and every single band broke up like pretty much in the process of making the record. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, so, and so it was like, well, there goes that money because nobody knows who this band is anyway. And there's I still have stacks of, of records somewhere. Oh, that's heartbreaking. I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's okay, but it happens. And like, that's part of that, you know, is like really believing in music, knowing that people are committed, knowing that they're going to see it through and knowing that this is a partnership, that this is like an equal relationship and that somebody's putting their back into putting out this record for you. You can't help it if the band breaks up sometimes, but like these were cases of people just sort of being like, eh, <laughs> like, right. yeah, I don't know about this anymore, which is like a little bit different. Right. And that's why I always say, you know, that I have it on our website that I'm not even going to listen to your band if you're not touring. Right. I've been doing this for too long. Like, I can't take those chances anymore. I completely understand. (laughs) It's too terrifying. And that's not to say that something won't go wrong, even if a band's been touring and everything's going great. I mean, we also have a rule at our label that we never sign bands that have couples in them. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> and we did recently. Uh-huh. And exactly like they, they broke up like within four months. Oh, God. <laughs> but thank God the band did not break up. That was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, whoa, we dodged a huge bullet there. Oh, that's, that's so good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that that worked out. <laughs> but we were just like, well, this is what we got for breaking the rule. Yeah. Crazy. But at least the band didn't break up. At but, least the band. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Small, small mercies. Yeah. So have you had any particular, like, I mean, I'm sure that this is just exciting for you because you get to discover so much new music, but like you said, there's still so much out there that you, that you don't know about. Have you discovered some personal favorites by doing this? Yeah, absolutely. I can't even count the number of artists that I have found in the last, I mean, we've, Bandcamp Daily has been around for about a year and a half now. We were, we've been publishing for a little more than a year, but obviously there was some foundational stuff in there. So I started working there in March of 2016 and I had been an active user of the site and like a sort of a digger on it forever, but getting the time to be able to do that as part of my job really expanded the amount of music that I could hear. And I found so much stuff out there through my other coworkers recommending things to me or finding them myself that just really I've, I, I don't get a lot personally from like PR recommendations or, you know, stuff that lands in my inbox that way. I do read everything that labels send to me and I do read everything that artists send to me, but I don't necessarily pay as much attention to PR as I do to labels and artists sent to my own finds just personally. I know that varies for people, but I found so much stuff that was just off the radar that I really, really love. Just most recently, this is in my head because I just wrote about it last week, but this noise artist named Guillermo Pizarro, who was in the best-selling noise artists. I was just going through looking for 
releases from the week to write about, so sort of taking stock of what was out there. And this happened to be in the best-selling noise releases. He's a fairly young artist from a really small town in West Virginia, I believe, possibly Slovene, Pennsylvania. But the record is just stunning. It's one of the most beautiful and haunting, just astounding records that I have heard in a while. There's violin on it. He's gotten another experimental violinist from that small town scene that he's part of to be part of it. And it is, it's just like, it's an incredibly stunning record. And I feel like it's something that's just going to stick with me for the rest of the year that I didn't even know existed until last week. And like those kinds of finds are so amazing and special to me. Yeah, those are fantastic when you when you find them. And I think another point that I just like to make about this is that when you, we say great music doesn't necessarily rise to the top, you also have to ask yourself, what does the top mean? Right. Because like with an artist like that, it's a noise artist. Well, what's the market for noise music? I mean, there are right. mad aficionados. Let's not get, you know, there's some of them in my office. Like, right. this is not a non-existent group. It's an absolutely existent group. However... It's not a massive group. You know, it's a very specific niche. And so you just have to kind of be realistic. And if that's what you're doing is I'm making noise music, you have to just sort of be like, okay, I'm, and it sounds like this guy has a community since he has someone playing with him from a scene. So, you know, you have your community, you have your group, you're doing what you, the art that you want to make. That's awesome. Yeah. But it would be a little bit, you know, if that guy called you up and said, well, you know, because you featured me in Bandcamp, I now expect to be in Rolling Stone. Right. Or I now expect to have 500,000 likes on Facebook or something. Right. You know, right. Perhaps that would happen. be a little bit unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Just because this is a, it's a type of music that is not really made for mass consumption. And so a lot of people don't have reference points for it when listening to it. Things that are harsh and impenetrable by design are my things personally, but they're not everybody's things. And I certainly recognize that. So yeah, finding your niche, finding the people that love what you do, that's huge and important. We used to have a feature that unfortunately the columnist who was doing it is a musician himself and got caught up in his own album cycle and wasn't able to continue writing for us, but it was called What's Your Day Job? And I really loved it while it was around where he just talked to other musicians about what they did during the day yeah, because that's realistic. And these are people that you think of as some of the, some of these people are pretty, you know, pretty what you would consider successful people with records on relapse and, you know, fairly big underground labels. And I think that that's sobering for a lot of people to see, but also heartening that these people who have achieved relative success within the world of independent music also still have day jobs and families and other priorities and how they fit being serious about their music into their lives is a conversation that I feel like we need to have more. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to say as much as possible that never be ashamed of being a hobby band. That's not anything to be ashamed of. Like if you have a lifestyle where you get to practice with your band, you know, a couple of days a week and you play out once a month locally. Yep. It's fantastic, you know, and, yep. and that can be so fulfilling and make you really happy. Yep. But, you know, don't think you're waiting for that big break that's going to, you know, make you sell out Radio City Music Hall. Like, it just doesn't work that way. 
Right. I mean, that's every band I've ever been in. It's just like local punk band does a couple of, you know, regional national tours or whatever, but you know, it's never going to get bigger than driving a minivan across the Rockies, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And that's fine. That's totally fine. You just have to think about what success means to you and success can mean just like being able to make music that you love with people that you love and sustain that. Exactly. And I, that was so beautiful that I'm going to cut it there because that was perfect. <laughs> Jess, Jess Skolnick is the managing editor at Bandcamp. Jess, thank you so much for being with us today on The Future of What? Thank you so much for having me. Did you like what you heard? Then subscribe to The Future of What on iTunes. And thanks for listening. That was Simple Life by Summer Cannibals. 